And when he had done this, they caught a great number of fish and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. Luke, the fifth chapter, verses one through seven. Father, we thank you for the declaration of your word. The entrance of your word gives light and life, and we receive it in Jesus' name. Turn to your neighbor on the right and say my subject after me. Say, neighbor, neighbor. Just, do just do it one more time. One more time. Turn to your other neighbor if they look real anointed. <laughs> now, if they don't look anointed, just look down, look up, look back at the neighbor you just looked at. And we'll try it one more time. Say, neighbor, neighbor. Just, do it just do it one more time. Seasons of chastisement exist because the Lord requires perfection out of the saints. Perfection isn't some elitist status where you can do no wrong, but it is the consummation of maturity in the life of the believer. When the Lord chastens us, he has his eternal purpose as the motivation. The scripture says in Hebrews 12, furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh, in other words, your biological father, who, which corrected us and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the father of spirits and live? For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure. But he for our profit, are y'all hearing that? When God does it, it's for our profit that we might be partakers of his holiness. So that means that there is a contention between the discipline and the rebuke of a father and the discipline and rebuke of God. When our parents got upset with us, got aggravated and agitated, they might have said something like, this is hurting me more than it's hurting you, but that was a lie. <laughs> because me, my, you the one with the belt. I ain't got no belt. And if you got beatings the way that I got beat, she would say, and take them clothes off because I'm not beating the clothes I paid for. And so there I am standing there bucket naked and she had a leather strap that was sanctified. It was the only, the only purpose of that particular strap was for me to get beat with it. It was set apart and she would expend her fury on me mercilessly. And I'd be sitting there begging and pleading, mommy, don't mommy. No, I'm sorry. And then she would commence with the rhythmic, how many times must I tell you in every syllable? <laughs> the purpose of that was because she felt some kind of way. And she had to expend her fury on me because of something that I did. But when the Lord chastens us, now everybody's not going to get with this, but when he chastens us, there is a, a, a merciless rebuke, so it seems. There is the, the reconfiguration of the way we think or feel or believe about something. He will flat out yoke us up. I don't know if you've ever been there before, and I mean really been there, where you know that there are circumstances you are in, and it's because of the Lord's rebuke. The devil didn't do it. It's not just so some freak of nature. It's not just a coincidence. It is the chastening of the Lord. 
But the scripture says to us that when he chastens us, his idea is that the chastisement is going to cause us to experience enough of his purging and purifying fire that after the season of chastisement has come to a close, that he can put us in the very same predicament. And the scripture says, when he has tried me, I shall come forth as as pure gold. So after the crushing of rebuke, after the bruising of chastisement, after the brokenness of being chastened, we get to come forth as pure gold. Somebody say pure gold. He chastises us uh, so that we can mirror and reflect his likeness and image. When God really chastens you, you come out looking more like God than you did when you went into the season of rebuke. Anybody ever been there before? We come out as partakers of his holy nature, which then positions us to inherit his favor and his blessings. Can I just insert here that there are some of you that are waiting for a blessing that is not going to come the way you think the blessing is going to come. Because you've done all the dancing, you've done all of the calisthenics, you've quoted your favorite scripture, you got so many scriptures on your mirror, you can't even see your face in the morning, quoting your scriptures and your affirmations. But some of you are going to be chastened into your next level of blessing. That there is a level of God's purifying fire that you have to submit to. I know y'all don't like that word submit, but I can tell you that there are some seasons when you begin to feel God putting his finger on something that you either have the option to yield to it or to turn your back to him. Somebody talk to me. But there's somebody in here that recognizes that if you just go through the fire, if you just go through it, I know it doesn't feel good. I know that you have to deal with the pain of it, the brokenness of it but if you just go through the experience that on the other side of it there is a breakthrough that you cannot get any other way somebody shout hallelujah you got to come out of this idea of trying to impress church folk by looking deep in church and you need to really yield to the almighty God see that's how you can recognize people that are really yielded elder Warren it's in moments of worship because anybody can come here with a church hat on and cut a step anybody can run around the church anybody can scream and holler but when it comes to moving into the manifestation of the presence of God there's been some purging in your life that enables you to enter in there y'all don't like it there's been some consuming of your flesh there's been some breaking down of your will somebody shout hallelujah you got to learn how to have regard for the almighty god who sees you no matter whether you have on your church clothes or not because he's peeping over the banister of heaven saying i see you i see you in the text, we're dealing with the Lord Jesus Christ at the beginning of his ministry. And as you know, he is beginning the process of calling forth the disciples who will later become the apostles that he will commission and send out. And as he is calling them forth, part of what he did was he had to reveal to them his power and his nature. He had to give them something of substance to believe in and hold on to because he knew all the hell they were about to go through. There is a hermeneutical law of first mention. Somebody say first mention. 
So however something or someone appears in the scripture the very first time, it has to carry that same meaning and connotation all throughout the rest of the scripture. So here we see Jesus Christ at the onset of building his ministry cabinet and we see him doing something that had never been done before. Now they're sitting in this predicament where they have toiled all night long. Somebody say all night. They try to work the vision. They try to work the plan. They try to do it according to knowledge. They try to do it according to skill and aptitude but the only thing that they were missing was the Christos. That means the anointed one and his anointing. Can I just interject here that there are some things that you're trying to do in your flesh that you will never get done until you get anointed with power from on high. Somebody shout power. We got to somebody say power. Somebody say power again. We still believe in the Holy Ghost. I know that that's not real common in today's church. Y'all not going to help me, but I feel like preaching, so I'm just going to preach it out. Uh, that's not common in today's church to hear them say Holy Ghost, but somebody say Holy Ghost. He still has power. Somebody shout power one more time. And so he's presenting to them that he is the one that works miracles, that he can do the impossible, that he can do what you have never seen done before. And they were in the posture of although they had been unsuccessful in their, in their toiling throughout the night, they were washing the nets. Somebody say washing the nets. It meant that although they did not have the right results and they were disappointed with the lack of results, they were still hopeful that something could happen. Somebody say it could happen. I really believe, and I'm just saying this to somebody, that after all that you have lost, all that you have suffered, all that you have endured, that there still is something left that you are holding on to that is an indication that God's about to do something. If that's you, just open your mouth and shout hallelujah one time. That means that there is still room for a miracle. He asked Moses, he said, what is it that you have in your hand? And he said, all I have is a staff. Sometimes all you have is a stick left. I don't know. I feel something creeping on me. Sometimes all you have is a stick left. All you have is the residue of your previous season. All you have is the debris. But if you can just muster up enough faith to turn it over into the hands of the God who can do the impossible, it means that what Whatever it is that you expect him to do, it can show up just in a matter of seconds. I need somebody that believes it to open your mouth and say, God, give me an any second kind of miracle. I know that I've been waiting. I don't know. This is pushing. I know that I've been waiting a long time. I know that I've been expecting it. I know that there have been a lot of situations where I thought it was going to happen, but it didn't happen. But God, I got enough left to believe because all things are possible to him who believes. Let me get to the points. Point number one, don't throw it away, use it. Somebody say, don't throw it away. Use it. The seed of your next season is always in the residue of the last season. You want to know what your next season is going to look like? Look at where you just left. Because there's a wisdom there. There's an instruction. Oh, come on. I need to talk to people that have been through something. This ain't going to hit everybody. But if you know that you've been through something in this last year or two, and you know that it was an experience like you never had before, and you had to trust God in a way you never trusted him, you had to believe in a way you never believed, there's something that left you that you kept in that experience. Come on, look down at it and say, I've got a key of instruction that is going to unlock the the door to my next season I got a key I got 
a wisdom. I got a strength. I've got a oh God, I feel this. I wish I could get it out the way I feel it. There's a there's a something at work in me that I didn't have before I started going through. But now that he brought me out and I'm on the other side of it, I can look back and I can thank him for the fire. I can thank him for the pressure. I can thank him for the pain. I can thank him for the stretching. I can thank him for the adversity. While I was going through it, I was crying and wiping my eyes. But now that he delivered, I can say, God, I see the wisdom in the press. I see the wisdom in God. Oh, Shekiah. Hallelujah. I wouldn't be. Take your seats. Where I am if I did not go through. Somebody say, don't throw it away. The key of your last experience, Minister Elena, the wisdom that you got. And sometimes we are, we are a little hard to teach. Because God will say something to us in English and we won't get it until all hell breaks loose. He'll say something to us in a language that we can understand and interpret. And it doesn't make sense until you go to step out on the ground and the ground is not there anymore. And you sinking and you trying to figure it out. Because he will use circumstance to communicate to you what your ear won't hear. But after the chastisement. Remember, because his intention in whooping us is not to expend fury. The intention in whooping us is so that we become partakers of his nature. So after we come through the fire, we got more glory than we had when we went into the fire. I don't know who that's for. We've got more power than we had before we went into. Yeah, come on, y'all know. You open your mouth now and hell is already shaking in his boots. If it wasn't for the affliction, you wouldn't have the fire. I need somebody that's anointed. Now, I'm my soul. I don't mean the church people. I don't mean the religious people. But I mean people that are sure enough anointed that know that when you open your mouth, there's a response in the heavens. If it had not been for the Lord who is on my side, even when he was whooping me, he was building me. Even when he was breaking me, he was putting me back to. There's a key. There's a key. That's going to unlock. You can't waste your suffering. Take your seat. I got to get through this. You cannot waste your suffering. Because it costs too much to suffer. Them tears cost something. That loss of relationship cost something. Y'all not going to tell the truth. But when they walked out of the church, it cost something. And so since I had to go through the hell, I might as well get the wisdom of the experience. Somebody say, don't throw it away. Point number two, calm down. Just say, calm down. Okay, calm down. Calm down. Sometimes you have to take a moment and calm down. I bet my therapist would tell me that that's part of, part of the process. Sometimes you just take a deep breath just before you react. They say, I don't, I don't react, I respond. Sometimes don't even respond. Just sit there and calm down. Notice the disposition of Jesus Christ. While they are in the crisis, while they are facing economic ruin and financial depression... They toiled all night during a time when they should have been profitable and able to produce, yet came up with nothing. The Lord is calm. 
He's steady. He's unmoved. And if that was not enough to add insult to injury, he says, give me one of them boats that they should have been using to fish and says, let me sit down in it and teach. Let me tell you something about the nature of God. Have you ever been in a place where you felt like you were in a 911 emergency and you cried out to God and he didn't have nothing to say? And you sit up there looking up and saying, I know you see this. I know you see me. I know you feel the hurt that I'm going through. And you mean to tell me you're not going to rise up and defend me? I get real anointed in my prayers. I said, you put this mantle on me. This mantle has to defend me. And he's just looking at you. It says something about the experience. Because when God doesn't react in an urgent way, sometimes it has to communicate to us that he has a plan that we are not aware of. I know y'all not going to like it. Because we really want y'all gone, oh, Lord, help me, help me get free right here. We want God to act like us when stuff goes wrong. We want him to hate who we hate. The Bible say, walking, y'all hate people, stop playing. You want him to blow their car up. You watching social media, waiting for them to post something done happened. The, the head done fell off, the foot done fell off, you just trying to... See, you can't worship in spirit and truth if you don't tell the truth. Just say, Lord, fix me. Lord, help me to love the way you love. Help me to forgive the way you forgive. You know good and well you wanted God to get them and he didn't get them. He was real calm in your crisis. Why? Because he's working it out for your good. Somebody say, stay calm. It's in moments of heaven's silence that you've got to know who you believe in. It's in moments of heaven's silence that you got to know who you put your trust in. I can't get no help. In this season, tell your neighbor, say, in this season, you better know in whom you believe and you better really believe. Somebody say, really believe. Because when you really know him, I know him, there is a witness in your spirit that the Holy Spirit provides that lets you know that he is who he says he is. Now watch this. I used to say it like this, that you didn't know him as a healer until you were sick. But sometimes you know him as a healer even before you're sick. Because it's the spirit of God that bears witness with our spirits that we are what? The children of God. Somebody shout hallelujah. And so I may not be sick, but I still get to know him as Rapha. Because he's the healer. I may have money in my account, but I still get to know him as Jira. He's the provider. I get to know him as the Lord God Almighty. Somebody say, who is the Lord God Almighty? He is El Shaddai. I might be looking at a situation facing the court judge. Seated before a magistrate. And I get to know him as El Elyon. He is the most high and the internal judge. I get to know him as Adonai. He is the master of all. That means that he's boss to the boss. It means that he's in charge of the one in charge. I don't have to fight this battle. I just call on Adonai because he is the master. If that's not enough, I get to know him as Yahweh. He is the righteous Lord. Then I know him as Nisi. Y'all not helping me preach. He is my banner. Then I get to know him as Roe. 
the Lord is my shepherd. Somebody shout Shama. It means he's there when nobody's there. I'm not worried about the people that turn their backs. I'm not worried about the people that walk out the door. Because when my father and mother forsake me, y'all not going to be in Psalms 27, but then the Lord shall take me up. Somebody shout Shama. I said shout Shama. And then he said canoe. He's the Lord our righteousness. Somebody whisper and tell the accuser of the brethren that you might have some intel against me. You might have a list of stuff against me. You might have a whole bunch of stuff going on. But he is Sikainu. He's given me the gift of righteousness. So I didn't dot every I. I didn't cross every T. I didn't even capitalize every A. But I got a man at the right hand of the Father. He is the righteous. Somebody say Sikainu. But then I know him as Imkadesh. He is the sanctifier. He set us apart. And the devil don't like it. Somebody open your mouth because Imkadesh will set you apart for purpose while they're trying to disqualify you. Imkadesh will mess around and anoint you when they say you ain't got no word. Imkadesh will anoint you when they say everybody can preach better than you. But it's all right, I'm anointed. Because M. Kadesh is the sanctifier. Then he's El Olam. He's the everlasting God. Somebody shout Alpha and Omega. Beginning and the end. Then he's El Kana, the jealous God. He's overprotective. You don't like it. But touch not my anointing. And do my prophet no harm. Because he's Jehovah. He's Elkanah. He's the jealous God. The prophets are mine. The vessels are mine. The sheep are mine. The sons and daughters are mine. You better not bring an accusation against those that bear my name because I'm Elkanah sometimes I feel this pushing we don't want them to, to destroy the enemy but sometimes we need to pray Elkanah the jealous God I need you to vindicate me because I bear your name because I'm sanctified because I'm righteous because I'm holy because I'm living free y'all better open your mouth and testify because there was a season there was a season when you couldn't pray look at my righteousness there was a season where you couldn't say look at my hands they're clean but in this season after all I've been through I'm coming to get everything I can get I'm lifting up holy hands without wrath, without doubt. I'm pure. I'm clean. Elkanah, I need you to move on my behalf. And then he's Shalom, the God of peace. Nothing missing, nothing broken, nothing lacking. Y'all need to sit down. Making me feel like a preacher. 
Then he Sabaoth, the commander of the host. I don't know what Bible you read, but Elisha said to Gehazi, he said, Lord, open the eyes of my servant because Gehazi was concerned about the Syrian army that surrounded the mountainside and the prophet. He thought they were about to be destroyed. But when the Lord opened his eyes, Gehazi saw the mountain full of angels on chariots with horsemen that were sent to guard the prophet. Y'all not going to like the Bible, but he is Sabaoth, the commander of the host of heaven. And I got a delegation of angels that have been assigned. Y'all don't like the Bible, but touch not, handle not, don't come against, because it might stir Sabaoth up. And he might command the host of heaven because they blinded the Syrian army and they couldn't see where they were going because the angels had an assignment to get the prophet to the destination. Who am I preaching to? I don't care what trap they set. I don't care what scandal they create, but you have a delegation that's been assigned by Sabaoth to bring you safely through. I need you to praise it because you're on your way to another level. You're on your way to another dimension. Take your seats. Another name. He is Roi, the Lord who sees. Uh, yeah, yeah. That means he's watching my back. When I can't see you about to stab me in the back. I don't know who I'm preaching to. You ain't got to investigate nothing. Don't try to track nothing down. Because Roi. Is the Lord who sees he sees the affliction he sees the backstabbing he sees them talking out of both sides of their mouth and their days of coming against you are numbered because he's the Lord who sees but then there's another one his name is Mekad Dishkem and he is the Lord who sanctifies you Kadesh is the sanctifier by himself but Mekadishkem is the God who comes to sanctify you so it becomes a personal experience I'm going to say it one more time touch not my anointed if you're anointed you ought to praise him because if you're anointed you ought to rejoice if you're anointed, you ought to have a praise because it doesn't matter what they say about you. It doesn't matter what they try to do. Mekadishkem has got your back and he's walking with you and he's insulating you and he's surrounding you 
because you belong to him I need a praiser to open your mouth you gotta hear it to open your mouth take your seats two points I'm done oh you can praise him I'll just give you the points. Go ahead and praise him, baby. After all the hell you've been through this year, you better praise him. You got a right to praise him. You here in your right mind. You still got glory. You still convicted. You still ready. Your mind is made up. You better praise him. Go ahead and praise him. Break out the moon. gotta let y'all go well help the prophet oh I feel this breakthrough y'all trying to be cute but there's a release right here on point number two I dare you to praise it I dare you to rejoice I dare you to jump in Take your seats. I got two more points. I got to go. I'm getting y'all out of here in five minutes. Sit down. Number two, calm down. Just knowing who you believe. Calm down. Let that settle. Know him. I feel this thing in my feet. Point three, change the game plan. Sometimes, listen, the challenge to our faith is that we feel that if we back up on something, then it means we don't really have faith. Or if we change something, it means that we never really believe God. And that's not true. Because sometimes you start out believing in a certain way, but then you mature then your eyes are open. Then your experience begins to produce keys that you need to unlock the next level. And sometimes the key requires you to change the game plan. It doesn't mean you don't have faith. It means now your faith is perfected because you know how to believe now. 
Huh? Somebody say amen. There are things that a preschooler does that we applaud that if you did the same thing in the ninth grade, we would have to give you medicine. Because something's wrong with the baby. You in ninth grade putting the blocks together and still struggling, we're going to have to, you got to talk to somebody. Because between preschool and ninth grade, your faith should have grown. Y'all getting it? So there are things at the next level, prophet, that God will make us revisit what we originally believed. Somebody say change the game plan. The issue with them was not that they were not good fishers or that they didn't have the right moment or the right time or the right apparatus. The problem was they weren't in the right place. Because although they had always fished there, had always done it like that, had always toiled through the night, when the Christo shows up, he changes the entire paradigm. He changes everything. So now, because the Christ is there, Christos is the Greek word for the anointed one and his anointing, because the Christ has shown up, you can expect your breakthrough in the shallow place where you always was. Because the Bible says deep calls unto deep. So you got to be careful asking God to anoint you because when he anoints you, then he's going to change the whole thing up. He's going to shift it. And if you're not ready for the shift, don't bother with the anointing. Just stay where you are. Because when the Christos comes on you, he's going to say launch out into the deep. The problem with the deep is that it's unfamiliar. The problem with the deep is that your boys and your girls can't go. I know y'all don't like it and I preach about it every week, but I'm going to keep preaching. There's some people that are not out fitted for your next level and you gotta be willing to leave them in the shallow end. I know y'all don't like it but if you try to bring them with you into the deep they are gonna slow you down. They are not outfitted for that depth and they are gonna wind up drowning and you are gonna get distracted from the breakthrough trying to save them because you don't want them to die. The reality is they couldn't go to the deep. So you got to leave them in the shallow. He said, launch out into the deep. I'm prophesying to somebody, Elder Cummins, that your next season is not where all of your boys are hanging out at. Come on. It's not, come on, you got to shift it. I just hear the word shift. Somebody say shift, 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 shift. Put the F and the T in it, but you got to shift. Sometimes you got to shift out of the shift. Drop the F and hear what I'm saying. You got to shift out of the shift in order to get to your next level. You got to shift out of the shift because some people are full of shift. So if you full of shift, you ain't coming in my next season. I'm going to leave you where you are in the place where you are most comfortable and I'm going to shift out of the shift into my next level. If that's you, I want you to open your mouth and give God a shout of praise for the shift. Full of shift. Talk like shift. Smell like shift. It's a whole bunch of shift, which is an indication it's time for me to shift. Listen, no. Listen. An indication that you are surrounded by the wrong people is that when God comes into your life, take your seat, I'm, I promise, I'm done. When God comes into your life, the first thing he does, Shanice, is he starts to upgrade your language. Because the Bible says that he is the God that calls things that are not. Listen to the language of the sovereign. He calls things that are not 
as though they are and then talks about it. So if God is going to upgrade you, you start talking about your six bedroom house while you're still in the projects. He has to upgrade your language because he's got to get the reality that he sees in your spirit and in your mouth because he knows the power of life and death is in the so if you can't prophesy your own life, him saying it ain't going to matter. So he's got to get it in your spirit and get you to talking about it. I'm driving a Ferrari, but you on the bus line taking Uber. He's got to get you owning a house in your mouth while you're getting an eviction notice from the projects. He's got to get you owning a business while you're the cleanup girl at the McDonald's. He's got to get you to speak it. Somebody say speak it. And so this is how you know that you're with the wrong people because the shift that they're talking will never measure up to the new language that God has put in your mouth. So when you're around people that's still talking about how it, y'all not going to talk back to me, how it used to be or still talking about the same stuff, it's an indication, baby, we've got to part ways because my language is taking me into a dimension and just by your speech, you're not willing to go. So send me a text. I love you from a distance, but baby, I'm walking into my new season. You cannot, wait, you can't launch out into the deep with shallow folk. You cannot, Elder Ramona, launch out into the deep with shallow people. I used to go to the Y when I was a kid, and they had a big pool, and they had a real deep end. Donna, you remember that? And then they had the shallow end. But inside the shallow end, they had a little table. Y'all remember the table? So that was for the people that was in the shallow end, but scared of the shallow end. So we had a little table in the shallow end that even though we we're in the shallow end, the water still only came up to here. So what I did at the shallow end is I baptized people all day. That's all I did. I sit on that table, said, come get baptized. And I would dunk them in the water on the shallow end. But I never ventured out into the deep end because I was not outfitted for it. I didn't have the skill set. I didn't have the language. I didn't have the capacity. And so when they would try to pull me, now you know I got the, the what's the thing? That vest on. And they trying to pull me, come on Randy, we got you. And I'm kicking and screaming because I think I'm going to die. Now I got the life thing on and I, apparently you can't sink with it. But I got it and I'm kicking and screaming about to drown because I'm too afraid of the place that I'm not outfitted for. Let me tell you, when you try to bring, oh God help me. When you try to bring shallow people into the depths, they will always sound an alarm and tell you that they're not outfitted. The problem is we don't believe them and we still try to take them. They kick and scream with the life vest on telling you I'm about to kill us. I'm about to make us drown because I know you holding on to me. Huh? I know you ain't going to let me go. Huh? So I'm about to kill us. They'll kick up. You start talking about what you need in the relationship. 
and they start fighting you. Oh, you not. Oh, you don't have capacity. To whom much is given, much is. So if my need for love intimidates you, then that means it's not. I'm helping somebody in here today. If telling them what you need creates an argument, then they're not the one. I'm sprinkling freedom juice. You don't got to waste another 10 years in the relationship. Shallow is telling you I'm shallow while you're trying to bring them into the deep. You a business partner and you don't ever show up for the meeting on time. But you want me to invest? Shallow is saying don't invest in me because you're about to lose your money. Don't invest in me because I don't have capacity for your vision. Apostle, God called me to be a prophet. He called me to be an evangelist. He called me to the nations. And you ain't faithful over the nation of that bathroom when we need it clean? Because every nation done sat on them seats. So your global ministry practice, y'all not going to help me. Can you clean up the residue of the nations on the toilet? Because if you can't handle the shift of the nations, you can't handle the glory of the nation. I'm too real. I preach too real. I, I got to. I preach too real, don't I? I just, calm down. I'll never make it to TV. Is that it? It's all right? Okay. Can y'all do me a favor? Everybody is responsible to bring five people to join the church because our live ain't going to grow the church. I need y'all to use your influence to help us build super mega because there's too many people full of shit. How can we not tell the truth? Now listen to me. I'm not saying, take your seats. I'm, I promise I'm done. I got two minutes, two. Can you play something nice so I could, Tanisha, you do it, so I could just come down. I'm not, I'm not advocating division or hatred. You got to love people. You got to forgive people. You got to love people where they are. You got to show mercy. Because you need to reap mercy. I'm saying that it is not okay for our lives to be consumed with people that are antithetical to where we're trying to go. Everybody doesn't deserve to be in your space. The Bible says it. How can two walk together except they be Agreed. So there are some relationships that you have that should not qualify for walking together. We can be together, we just can't walk together. Because walking together requires us to be on the same page. And if we're not on the same page about where we're going, then why are we walking together? That's confusion. Because every time we get to a turn, you're going to go in another direction. See, I'm, I preach this like this to bring my own deliverance 
because people are a weakness for me. I love people. I love hard. I care about people and I believe the best about people. But sometimes believing the best about people has destroyed me. So I'm trying to save you years of heartache, tears, and brokenness. Because people will always show you what they really are all about. They always do. They always do. They show you what they're about. They, they announce, the Bible says out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. They're going to tell you what they're about. Elder Ramona, I've sat in some conversations and I'm baffled because I'm wondering, do you even know what you just said to me? You just told on yourself in a way that I think it slipped out and you don't even realize what you just said. But I'm a listener because to me, the highest level of discernment is hearing. It's not even seeing, it's hearing. You just told me your agenda. You told me your plan. And so now that I'm armed with that information, I got to decide if I'm going to be a fool and change the narrative in my head so that it's easier for me to digest or if I'm going to believe you. This is the season to believe what they say. Yeah. Shallow is going to be shallow. Change the game plan. Launch out into the deep. Adopt the language for where you're going. And point number four, do it one more time. This was really supposed to be the preachy part. But y'all know I'm done. You know I'm done, right? Okay. You've been tired. I'm going to read it instead of preach it the way I wrote it. I know you've given everything you've got. I know you've been here before. And you've heard these same promises. I know that you've gotten your hopes up and you were let down. But I prophesy that this season is not like any other season and you've never been here before. You've never been here before. I don't care if it looks the same. I'm telling you, the Christos has shown up. The Lord is here in a measure that we've never encountered him. And it changes everything. It changes everything changes everything so you got to be willing in this season the era of his sovereignty where he is bent on showing your enemies who he is do it one more time drop that net one more time the conclusion was they caught so many fish that the net broke then they had to take the two boats which were not even outfitted for the fish it was outfitted to carry the apparatus that carried the fish and them now they got to use the boats to fill it up with the fish because there's so many fish they had to swim back to the shore lost their vehicle because God filled every vessel that he could with the breakthrough see are you really ready for the blessing where you don't have room enough to receive it that's not a cliche are you ready for that level of abundance? See, God gave me the language. I said to my wife, just like Elder Aaron said, I said, this is the poorest we'll ever be. I said, Autumn, we are going to be blessed financially and it's going to be so significant. I'm going to write a book and it may not even be a good book, but it's going to be a, a bestseller just because God is going to bless us. That's what I told him. I said, we're just, he's just going to give us blessings. 
But you got to be ready for that kind of blessing because you want to know what blessing does? It brings the leeches. And if he didn't purge me from my false loyalty to people, the leeches would consume the breakthrough. I got a key in that last fire. <laughs> it's leech resistant. Because now I recognize that you need your season. Oh yeah. My blessing is not your blessing. Because you weren't there when my cars were getting repoed on my lunch break. Ordered the food, had to go walk to get it. You weren't there. Trying to hurry up and check out with the cash assistance card at Stop and Shop because somebody from another church saw me. Apostle Furlow. Hey, man of God. God Let me go get something else. I'll be right back. Trying to wait till they walk away to come back to check out because you got the cash assistance card and you're pastoring. You weren't there. Utilities turned off. You remember that long time we had no hot water and we were taking the coldest showers even in winter months and coming to church and preaching and shouting and y'all had no idea. No idea. We would go to the gym in other seasons to take a hot shower. Because that's the only way we were going to have hot water. And we were faithful to God. You get it? So this is why, if nobody else knows, y'all know, don't hate when I go to the Range Rover dealer and he just says, sign the paper. Don't hate on that. Don't even talk about that. Don't talk about that. Don't talk about that. My church takes good care of me. I got two yeses. That's all right. The rest of y'all, I don't know where y'all was with that. How you get the down payment? That Christmas money y'all gave me was the down payment. How you pay the bill? First fruits goes right to range. Well, Chase. And this is a good time to sow into our leaders. Yes, it is. Unless you want them to come get that truck while we in church. You never know the story. You never know the price that somebody pays. Never know. Come on, everybody standing. I'm done. It's a good message, Taylor. He's smiling. I'm grateful to God for this great salvation. Y'all, God is with us. And if I can convey it, this is what I'm trying to convey. You are on the verge of the greatest version of you that you have ever encountered. I'm telling you, the greatest miracles, the greatest breakthroughs, it's going to happen for you. I'm telling you, it's, I wish I could just pour my insides out it's about to happen but you got to do what you got to do to line up you got to talk it you got to believe it you got to move in the direction of it
Father, thank you for infusing this word in our hearts. I give you praise for such a great salvation. Thank you for the manifestation of glory that's here amongst us. Thank you for healing our bodies and restoring our lives. Thank you that we're going to have a blessed rest of this year. 2022 is going to be a great year for us. I decree it over this house. 2022 is going to be an exceptional year. You're going to increase. You're going to expand. You're going to be happy. You're going to be fulfilled. You're going to have joy. You're going to have peace. You're going to do stuff you want to do. 2022 is your year. Say, it's my year for me. It's your year for your double portion. There's two twos in 22. It's my double portion year. Come on. You poured out for everybody else. It's time for you. Come on. I hear the Holy Ghost. I hear the Holy Ghost. It's time for you to be a reservoir for God to pour back into you. He's pouring back into you. You've given. You've spent your last. But God's about to pay you back. He's about to reward you. He's about to give it back to you. Oh God, I feel this. This is your season. Somebody say, it's my time. This is your season. This is for you. Wait. It's not selfish or anti-Christ for self-preservation. You are no good to God in the grave. Because your mantle can't follow you. You are no good to God in the grave prematurely because your anointing can't follow you. We got to work smarter and not harder. Even Jesus said you cannot take your pearls and cast them before swine. Sometimes you got to ask God to give you a swine detecting anointing. Because some people ain't nothing but swine. And here you are with the precious pearls of your experience. And it's interesting that the Bible says, take it down a bit, that if you cast your pearl before the swine, not only do they trample the pearls, but they turn around and trample you underfoot. You mean I've given you the best of me? And when you get done exploiting me, you yourself are going to turn around and try to destroy me? Did you forget what I've done? Did you forget who I've been? And the short answer is yes, they did. So it's all right, y'all. Say it's all right. It's all right for you to take care of yourself. It's all right. It's all right. It's all right. In my social psychology class, minoring in psychology so I took a lot of psychology to help me deal with God's people because y'all need help I already know I need help so I don't need to say it but I'm telling y'all because you may not know in a relationship for every negative thing or interaction for every one negative there has to be five positive if you have a relationship where there are not at least five positive points of interaction and connectivity for every one negative thing, you are in an overdrawn account and your relationship is depleted and it will fail. 
that's social psychology statistics. Let that sit there. Because sometimes you'll sit there for 15 years before you already know that it's failed. Now, you knew in year three. People scratching. Let me just look at the door. See? See? Truth is a hard pill to swallow. As much as we say, oh, I'm real, I'm one. No, you're not. You're not. Because just that truth right there just made some of y'all close down. It just, it, I, felt, I felt the door shut to your soul that has just been open. For the last hour of me preaching, it just shut in that one minute because I said something you did not want to hear. It's cognitive dissonance. This confrontation of truth is something you don't want to embrace. So you change the narrative. Do you want to be free? Because sometimes you don't really want to be free. You just say you want to be free. I'm not an advocate for divorce. I think if you're married, you're stuck. For the most part. Work it out. Figure it out. Figure it out. But if you're not married, it's an alarm. <laughs> Marrying the wrong person will destroy your purpose. I'm telling you. I may never get you in counseling, so this is it right here. Pretend it's just me and you in here. Marrying the wrong person will destroy your purpose. You will have to fight them over everything God tells you. Everything. They'll have an issue with you coming to church. But if you were going to the club, you know what I was about to say. If you was going to the club, I took the strip out. They'd have no issue. Coming home high in the anointing is an offense to them, but if you came home drunk, they wouldn't complain. Come home talking about the Lord and they hate you. But if you was shucking and jiving and trying to hide people, they wouldn't have no issue. They wouldn't even bring it up. Marrying the wrong person or being in a relationship with the wrong person can destroy your purpose. Father, thank you again.